1: Welcome into the pre-Miami, the pre-college game day edition of the Card Chronicle podcast. Mike Rutherford here with Keith Wynn. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot of cards versus canes in today's episode. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about WKU, what we saw on Saturday. We think we pretty much covered that in the first podcast this week, but we'll get Keith's thoughts on that. Before we get into any of that, uh, Keith, how are you, man?
0: I'm good, man. You know, it's, uh, it's good to be able to do this every week, man. Talk football and, you know, you know, cut it up every week. Can I say real
1: quick, too, like the the level of complaints about the audio quality? I don't know if it's just because people thought it would get better because we took like a a pandemic off, basically, where we only had three or four episodes. But people are they're more upset. It's not changing is is what I'm getting to here. It's part of the charm of the podcast. You're going to have to deal with it. We're going to sound like we're recording this live from a, you know, public restroom one of those big ones not like a mcdonald's but like one of those like loves places where it's they have like an actual superstore inside that's (laughs) it sounds like we record these and we're not changing so you can stop uh you can stop tweeting about it texting about it doing all that good stuff but uh we are going to get to miami it's i mean just seeing i know it's a silly thing and i probably am too old to be like this but just like seeing the college game day trucks in town, like seeing those pictures, it's such low hanging fruit, but it gets me every time. Like I've had goosebumps seeing all the pictures, seeing the fans who were dropping their signs off at game day uh, on Thursday, like all that good stuff. It's just got me so juiced for this game. But before we get to that and talk about that with Keith, want to get your quick thoughts about what we saw last weekend against Western Kentucky, thirty five twenty one Cards win. Again, we talked about it last podcast at nauseam, but I'll ask you the broad question that I kind of ask everybody. Did what you saw on Saturday change your view at all, your preseason outlook about Louisville? Do you feel better about the cards, worse about the cards, or do you feel about the same as you did Saturday
0: morning? It, I, I'd say about the same, but I, would, but I do think that I like the way the defense played. I was very happy, especially going back and watching it and doing the film reviews that I've been doing all week. Um, they looked better than I, than, than I thought when I watched it live. Um, you know, I thought they were really aggressive. Guys were in the right spot. Only made a couple of mistakes. Covers. I mean, it a lot of things they had issues with last year. They seem to be better at in this game. Uh, and obviously, it's just one game. And it, you know, you know, people would say, well, it's Western Kentucky. Well, you know, Western Kentucky has an offensive coach. Um, has most of their offensive line Has some talent on the outside. They, they, are, they're a pretty good team. And Louisville kind of dominated that on defense. So. Uh, I feel better about the defense, but, you know, overall, I would say they, 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 they make me feel better, but around the same. Not It's not overwhelmingly better, you know. I think one of the really
1: interesting things I heard this week, just looking at Manny Diaz and, and his press conferences and his uh, answers to the media's questions, he was talking about, he said that watching the Western Kentucky game, he saw more different looks from the Louisville defense in that one game than he saw in any of the games leading up to, to last year's game, which I think Louisville played Miami, what, was that like, it was either late October or early November, I think. Um, so that, to me, was pretty telling, that, like, just having that defensive coaching staff, I don't know they, the staff's harped on it all offseason, but having that continuity, having all those guys back, having the players familiar with the scheme has, has allowed them to do things that they just couldn't do last year because the players couldn't grasp it. Did you see any of that watching the
0: game Saturday? So, so easy plug for myself to, to read the film reviews I've been doing. I've, I got the third quarter, hopefully dropping later tonight. Uh, I've been trying to point out all the different looks that the defense showed in different situations. Uh, when they got him in the second and long, they, they threw out three completely different looks um, with pressure coming from different angles. Uh, different guys spying the quarterback um the the safeties you know filling run lanes I mean it was it was a lot different than what we saw last year uh from a standpoint of what they threw at them but not just that how they executed what they were doing and I think uh that's that's what we've been hearing right I mean hey second year in the in the same system we're gonna see a a much better defense guys know what they're doing I mean that's what I saw uh, and and, I, and that's that's part of the excitement going forward. You know, we're looking at De'Ar King and what he's going to be able to do, and how do you contain him? Well, they had to do that in Game One, and they 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 threw a lot of different things at, at Western Kentucky to try to contain their quarterback, and obviously it worked out pretty well. Well, I, one of the cool things I thought about Saturday that
1: I, we didn't talk about in the last podcast is. All the guys that you've been hearing kind of hype about, and it's been different this year because, you know, we didn't have it, you know, spring practice was short and the media wasn't able to go to any of the fall camp practices. So we sort of had to rely on the coaching staff, but the guys that the coordinators in Satterfield have been hyping up, uh, guys like Braden Smith, guys like Yaya Diaby, uh, Monty Montgomery, like they all produced. like you saw it, it wasn't just blowing smoke, which I feel like. Certainly, I mean, in basketball, Patino used to always do it. I mean, like, Angel Nunez was the greatest player of all time, and he was going to get so much better. But, like, we saw it all the time with football, uh, whether it was the first Patrino era, the, the Charlie strong era. And I feel like it was always a wide receiver that was like, watch out for Jimmy Riley. We've been talking about him for the last five years. And then he would just be like, okay, every single year. <laughs> to have, like, that confirmation I thought was really cool. Like, these guys weren't just blowing smoke up our ass. The players that they saw giant strides from during the offseason were the guys who seemed to take giant strides in their first game on the actual field.
0: Just, uh, that, that made me think of a, there was a receiver the first year in the ACC, and I, I can't even remember the guy's name, uh, which I feel bad about. Uh, but I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I wrote a whole story about it. It was nonstop. I mean, they talked about that guy all the time, and I was like, I, I remember like watching his film as a recruit, and I was like, I mean, he's an okay football player. Like, I don't see him lighting the world on fire. And then he showed up and like, he never played, you know? And I was like, what, what, what are they, what were they seeing? But that was a huge thing with Petrino. Like every summer you would hear from whether it be radio host or, you know, the recruiting sites, or even from our own standpoint, you know, you get, you get word that, Hey, this guy. And I'm like, okay. And every year you're like, all right, this guy's just kind of okay, man. He's not really that great, but I don't know. That was their thing. And I hate it. it, it it's, it's like scarred me because now every time I hear from the new staff, I'm just like expecting this guy to just be a solid, maybe contributor, but they're never—they were never a star. But yeah, you're you're right. They—the guys that they've been hyping up—they have all played well. Trey Clark played really good at corner, got a PBU, uh, got a—you know—he was there in coverage every time. I I think that the guys that they're bringing in, whether they be uh, higher recruited players or guys that maybe a little bit under the radar, they're getting guys that they. Still do what they need them to do you know i've talked about fit a lot with recruiting and it looks like they they hit they hit on a guy like Braden smith he's gonna completely change the way the offense can play and we saw that on the first big play you know he's wide open down the middle of the field because tutu atwell takes two guys with him uh justin marshall's on the outside on this side and you've got to cover him and des is on the other side i mean you're gonna have to leave one of those guys open and, and Braden smith obviously took advantage of that I'll tell you exactly who we were both thinking about. Javante Bagley. Yes, uh, God, I couldn't remember his name.
1: So I went back. I wrote a whole story about this because it was like the first day of fall camp. And the exact quote from Bobby Petrino was, he reminds me of a young Harry Douglas. Um, Javante Bagley, who would go on that season to have two catches for 18 yards and finish his Louisville career with 16 catches for 170 yards and two touchdowns. Young Harry Douglas, indeed. Like, but like that, I feel like we always had that guy. Was, for a while there, it was—I know he had a really good senior year. Once Harry and all those guys graduated, but it was always Scott Long. For a, kind of like he was like making all these plays, and then he would get out there and just not do anything. But it's nice that those days have uh, have kind of passed us by. I should have led with this, but we ended last podcast—the the last podcast that you and I were on together—talking about your your game day plan. I know you like to enjoy a few bourbons. I, correct me if I'm wrong. You went to Summit Keith's, uh, a.k.a. Summit Drake's, on Friday night. <laughs> I think you were getting after it pretty hard. Did that? Have, were you in the right mentality for football on Saturday when you woke up Saturday
0: morning? Not at all. I, I slept <laughs> in, <laughs> which I never do. Uh, and I think it was probably, like, I was like, oh, I'm going to – I had a whole plan. I was like, I'm going to get up, get going, and, like, you know, maybe watch some soccer, maybe go get some breakfast. I ended up uh, getting, like, uh DoorDash Breakfast, so I didn't have to leave my house. <laughs> and then my, my Friday was my wife's birthday, so Saturday she went to the wineries with a friend. So I had my two kids alone, miserably halfway hungover, halfway falling asleep. I'm like I'm like chugging coffee throughout the day. They had zero interest. Like my kids will literally do, they'll do their own thing for hours. My daughter will read my son books. They'll play around. Saturday, not at all. They wanted to be near me at all times. So, yeah, it was it was, uh, it was exactly the opposite of what I was hoping my Saturday would go. Um, yeah, it was awful for the most part, yeah.
1: I knew. I mean, I was just hanging out at home doing nothing. I think I was writing the, the game day post for Saturday morning on Friday night, and I saw you were tweeting a lot. And then you had that kind of like sentimental Card Chronicle post. And I was like, I think he's fucked up. Like, I was, I was like, I think he's <laughs> And then like five minutes later, you tweet about being at Summit Drake's and the dance floor being gone. I'm like, oh, he's definitely fucked up. I'm like, this is going to be bad for him tomorrow. But uh, did you end up having a drink for the actual game is the big question.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, had a, I only had one, though. It, it, like, usually, like, I try to pace myself because first, I didn't want to, like, drink too much and then get tired and, like, fall asleep in the game. Like, I'm oh, I'm old. I'm old. So yeah. that's kind of, you know, that can okay. happen. Uh, so I didn't start drinking till later, uh, which is also good too, because like I get, I start drinking and I tweet, I live tweet the games and I get a lot of people tweeting back at me and I get a lot of really stupid comments. And then I start tweeting bad things, which I shouldn't do and I feel bad. Yeah. But yeah. I, I only had to block one person. So, you know, it was, it was good. We're off to a good start. That's the the way to start the 2020
1: season. Uh, I
0: can't promise anything for this weekend, though. Yeah, man. It's a a big game.
1: It's a long day. And I I assume you're not going to be at Summit Keiths on Friday night again. So you're probably going to be in better shape. Um, Let's talk about – here's how I'm going to start this. and I've already told you this before, but I'll just get out in front of this. Cam Teague Robinson of the CJ, they're doing their, you know, for big games the Courier Journal likes to compile media picks and they post them all, and you know usually it's all the Louisville guys picking Louisville and then a couple of outliers and all this stuff. So Cam Teague sent me a DM today. He's like, "Can we get your pick for this this game?" And it it always happens when I don't feel good about Louisville's chances, and so I kind of do like, do I do the honky thing and just lie and, and like be the one media member that's like just straight lying to everybody, or do I am I the one media member that looks kind of like an asshole, That the fans are like, you don't even deserve to celebrate. It's why I, I hate doing predictions because you can't, there's no good way to do it. If you pick Louisville to win every game, it loses all value. And if you don't pick Louisville to win, you get that contingent of fans that are like, are you really even a fan? Like, how could you pick against? And it, it, like, that shit just drives me crazy. So it's why I usually don't do basketball picks. I just do the uh, the Ken Pomeroy prediction, but I'll get out in front of it. I picked Miami to win this game. I picked them in the, the my pick- predictions cuz i didn't want to pick the obvious games that like most people were picking and i just i dear king really scares me they ran the ball so effectively and i like I, th- I don't think we're going to have a problem scoring on them but i have a, I I feel like we're going to have a problem shutting them down especially if the weather's looking a little bit iffy on saturday night and it does rain um so your goal throughout the course of this podcast is to make me feel better about the game the only things that i have so far are, I think their secondary is really thin. I've heard that a bunch. I think McHale should be able to light them up. I think they're going to be susceptible to the deep ball. And, like, they don't have Greg Rousseau anymore. So they don't have, like, that like, elite next-level threat who can single-handedly change a game defensively. So I feel good about those two things, but I still feel iffy about our ability to slow down their offense. So what's the one thing or the biggest thing that you would point to to say this is why you should feel better about Saturday night?
0: Um, I think the biggest thing is that Louisville looked way better stopping the run last week. Um, and if I, th- I think if they can stop the run against Miami and put them in passing situations, they're better off. Um, you know, I, I think Derrick King is one of the best players in the country. I think he's a, he's a much better passer than people give him credit for. Uh, but I think more than that, he's just such an electric, dynamic player. Um, the times that they had the Tyrell Pickerum was able to get out of the pocket last weekend and make a throw. He missed wildly all the time. Uh. De'Aaron King is going to hit those throws. So that's that's a concern really on their offense to me is that De'Aaron King can kind of take over game. But outside of him, I don't know that I feel that they're that good. Uh, their, their receivers are, are still not really consistently, you know, big play threats. I thought their running game was really good last 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 week, but they're you know UAB is it's UAB. I think they're a good program, but they're not. I, I think Louisville's got a better defense or better talent, but I, I think that it's a, I think it'll be a shootout. Um, and if it's a shootout, I'll I'll take Louisville against almost anybody. I mean, I, I think they can score at will if they want to. And 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 Miami's defensive backfield, like you said, they're down to three cornerbacks. We talked about how Braden Smith changes the way Louisville can play offense. How do you Cover these four Louisville receivers when you don't have uh, enough guys to really field. You're talking about guys getting worn down. They're an injury away from not having enough people to play right. against Louisville's passing attack. I'll take that any day. Yeah,
1: I feel real confident about our ability to put up points, and I think our receivers are going to light them up a little bit. I just here's the other concern I have, and this is a a total like surface level stupid fan. Take, but I'm a stupid fan, so I'm going to have the take. I feel like the two teams that kind of came in last year with the most swag against Louisville and kind of talked the most shit and wanted to be the most dirty were Miami and Kentucky. And like we got, we looked a little bit intimidated. It wasn't just that like we got beat, we looked like we didn't want to be the aggressor in either one of those games. And it's great to be a cohesive unit and to be a disciplined football team and to be, you know, all the things that Scott Satterfield preaches. But at some point in time, like if a You've got to be the guy that smacks back at some point. And we didn't smack Miami back at all last year. We didn't smack Kentucky back at all last year. And Miami's going to bring that same I – and mean, they have a lot of the same guys back from last year's team. They always have that same kind of swagger. Now They're liable to turn around and you know, lay an egg against FIU and totally tank the rest of the season, which they did <laughs> last year. But that's kind of my other concern about this is like, can we find that mental level that we couldn't find against them or against UK last year is the,
0: Am I just being a stupid fan? Is that overblown? No, not at all. I mean, that's I. I picked Miami to win this game up until probably two days ago. Um, I I watched the game from last year. Um, uh, Louisville had ten penalties in the first half. Uh, had their I mean they had the worst game in in different in like a lot of different categories. It was like the worst game of the year. And I think there was I think that we saw the 2018 Louisville program. Show up against Miami last year. Yeah, you know, severely undisciplined guys getting into arguments because you know you have we have South Florida players. I mean, Tutu Atwell was getting into it with people. Tutu doesn't really do that at all. We we have we've, we've we've seen him enough to know that he kind of keeps a level head. He doesn't really talk much, but he's out there arguing and, and battling and fighting with guys because there he plays with that chip on his shoulder because he didn't get the Miami offer, and you know that I think that stuff plays a factor. I mean, I didn't think that years ago but you know you can't help it you get enough evidence to show that that's the case you kind of have to believe it and i think i think you know you saw a lot of things that also the progressive they the progression that they made as the season went on went out the window i mean Mikael cunningham forcing throws when he has a lot of receivers like you know not seeing the field which he's gotten so much better at uh you know there was just so much weird stuff going on um You know, they were terrible in the red zone. I mean, they're almost automatic in the red zone now. Uh, It was their worst red zone performance. So just a lot of stuff that happened that didn't make any sense. And I've been really kind of looking back on that game as why I don't feel like they're all of a sudden just going to beat Miami this year. But I don't see those things happening again. I I just, I think they're out of character, and we know that now. So that's part of the reason why I feel like, I feel more comfortable saying that. I feel like they're going to win this game. Um, But also... You know, I, I think that um, there's a little bit of a re- revenge factor. You know, I, I think these guys have realized that, hey, they're better than other teams. They're not going in hoping to win. They're going in expecting to win now. And, and, you know, I think that's going to factor in now because last year they were still playing with a mindset that, hey, we, we're, we're not – we we shouldn't be this good. Uh, and I think, you know, they didn't look that way last week. They looked like a team that felt like, hey, we're we're going to dominate people. And that's the that's the feeling I got watching them last week. It's so weird talking about last year's game and
1: how it relates to this one because you feel silly saying like they kicked the shit out of us, but I'm just going to throw that out the window. You, I mean, you can't do that. You have to at least recognize the fact that Miami, like I, I think that was a bigger ass kicking than Kentucky was. It looked a little bit better maybe on paper, but like they just they, oh, yeah. they pumped us from start to finish. Like that was, just, yeah. I, I think you're right. It was the worst game that we played overall. So you can't just not talk about it, but. The two teams had completely different seasons after that game ended. Like, Miami didn't win again. They completely tanked. Um, It ruined the first year of Manny Diaz. Jaron Williams, who set a a school record for touchdown passes against us, was so bad that he just left the program. Like, he's like, yeah, I'm not not playing quarterback here anymore. Like, that was the last good game that he played and maybe ever will play in college. And then Louisville, you know, the Kentucky game aside, finishes the season really strong, wins its bowl game. It's just – I don't know. Like, I I feel – I don't know how much stock to put in what we saw down there in Miami last year. And the other thing, and this is – I don't know if this stat means as much with you know, limited capacity at Cardinal Stadium and all that good stuff. But I saw Chris Velika, the bear from ESPN, he tweeted, back, he tweeted out the other day, like gating back to 05, Miami is 3-23 and away from home against ranked teams and their only three wins came against West Virginia in 2016 uh, in the Russell Athletic Bowl, that Duke, the crazy lateral play game back in 2015, which was a a fluke win, and then at Florida State in 09, and neither that Duke team or that FSU team finished that season ranked. So, again, not sure how much to read into that, but it seems like a stat that's at least, like, they're tougher at home. There's no question about it. And and really, going beyond the Manny Diaz era, if you want to go back to Al Golden and back to the mid-2000s, they've kind of been they're far less intimidating when you get them out
0: of their area. Yeah, I think that you know, I think some of the it's 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 weird. Like I I have I've always said I don't believe in those stats, but you can't numbers don't lie. I mean, there's obviously something there. And I I think that Miami on the road, uh, in general over the last handful of years, you you get to see their lack of kind of cohesiveness and leadership. I think, you know, defense over the last handful of years, they've had great leadership. And Manny Diaz has had really good defenses. I think on the offensive side of the ball, they've had terrible leadership. Guys, you know, guys just, they they make a lot of mistakes. You see a lot of turnovers. You never really see, like, that cohesive off- offensive unit. And it's really interesting to me because this year they have another, they have a new offensive coordinator. They, they you know, Manny Diaz fired Danny Enos, who obviously, I think as a, as a coach, you know, when he was at Alabama, they did well. As a coordinator, he's never really done well, and it's mostly because he's an asshole. I mean, just a complete <laughs> dick. I mean, a- after Jaron Williams, the first game they played last year, Jaron Williams is playing his first game. He had a pretty good game uh, behind an absolutely putrid offensive line, and Dan Enos would just he just shit on him with like the entire press conference. And I remember just being like, I, I just watched the guy play pretty damn well and played hard, and made good plays behind the worst offensive line play I've seen. And I watched Florida State football every year. And he he, he just completely shit all over him. I was like, Yeah, that's not gonna instill a lot of confidence. And then he played, you know, back and forth with him. But he, you know, he's made he, he had he had to make a change. So now you have a new offensive coordinator, which Miami, you know, they're they're constantly kinda doing, either changing things or changing quarterbacks. They never really have a consistent thing on offense. Uh, and I think that might play a factor this year. And I think that's part of why they have issues on the road. And I think that's something that might help. This is going to be a, a different setting for them. They're going to have to do things differently. And I, I think you also have to factor in with the way the COVID protocols and the way things are going, it's different than it was the last time these guys played a road game. Uh, and, and, you know, it might be a small thing, but you get guys off schedule and all things like that. You have to do things differently. Uh, I think that stuff plays a factor. And, I think Louisville needs any kind of help it can get, but I think they're a better team overall because Miami's offensive system is brand new and they're still learning it. They're trying to go fast. It didn't work out all the time against UAB. You think about that UAB game, they didn't really get it clicking until the fourth quarter. So that that's something to keep in mind. Speaking of assholes, which is always a you know, top 10 table setter,
1: I encourage you, the, the Miami fans in the comments of that Felica tweet are, I I, I I don't know how I do this, but every year I forget just how obnoxious Miami fans, at least the ones online, can be, because, like, I don't know about you, but, like, I know that the U had all that swagger in the 80s and 90s, and they were so good at the beginning of this century, but, like, they kind of also developed a reputation for not packing the Orange Bowl in its later years, and, you know, they, the crowd shots were always, like, fans looking late, they just... It's a pro sports town, and so like I, I, don't think of them as being all that rabid, but my God, like online they are just crazy people, and the comments in that Felica tweet, because somebody points out like the oh yeah that Duke game with the crazy lateral play where the guy was actually down twice, like they just pounce, and it's like the most it's the <laughs> big it's. On a level of, like, 1 to 100 of fandom, it's like a 105. Like, these guys are like, no, it's the game where Duke got stuffed short of the end zone on a QB sneak, which would have ended the game anyway, but the Reds called it a touchdown. Like, they're bringing up the number of penalties. They're bringing up a like film of pass interference calls in the third quarter. I mean, it is peak fan, and it reminded me of last year before their game, before the game where we got beat down pretty bad, like, I, I, I woke up that morning, put out the picture of tweeted the picture of Devonte parker staring down at their cornerback from the russell athletic bowl in 2013 and just said like go cards or something like that these people after they beat us down just come like i've never been swarmed like this and it was like it was like lisa reynolds like sweet looking woman with teacher third grade teacher in her profile was like He's like, how does it feel now that we shoved it up your fucking ass all fucking time? I was like, oh my god. And it, it like, did not stop. I'm like rolling over at 2 a.m. I've got like 350 more mentions. Like, dude, I, don't know if you've, I don't know if you've seen this at all this week, but these people are – they're certifiably insane. Like, they are absolutely nuts. And I, I don't think it changes just because they've been kind of average for the
0: last, what, 15 years. People talk about FSU Twitter like back during that time where that was like a thing on Twitter. They, they're, they're no, they're to me, they've not even come close to Miami fans. Miami fans have been awful forever. They're not. Uh, I have a, so I had a tweet years ago when uh, Carlos Williams, who who was playing in the Army All American Bowl or something like that, he was like a big time safety prospect that was going to Florida State, and I compared him, his size, literally not as a player, just the, the fact that he was six foot three, two hundred and twenty pounds or something like that. I compared him to Sean Taylor because they're literally the same fucking size. That's all I did. And I shit you not, I deleted that tweet last year. <laughs> if Miami fans were still fucking finding it, commenting on it. Like, Sean, like, like, like this is, I think Carlos Williams is like 33 years old right now. So that tweet had to be fucking forever ago. Like right when I maybe started on Twitter and it was a really harmless tweet. Just like, yeah, they're about the same size. That's pretty cool. And shit, people were still tweeting. I had to delete the damn tweet. Because randomly, they, it's not just one. They, and you made the good point. Oh, yeah. One person will tweet it, and I shit you not, like, 50 of them will come, like, right after. It. And I'm like, what is going on? It's like they coordinate. It's insane. All it takes is one person who has at least, like, 500 followers to
1: quote tweet you. <laughs> and you're like, here we go. And it's it's the most aggressive tweets of all time, too. It's never, like, <laughs> what up now? Like, go you. Or, like, final score. Or like, whatever. It's like... It's like we fucking bent you over and just went to town for four quarters. I'm like, oh, I'm like, like, I didn't like play. I'm like, what? Jesus Christ. It, it is, it, it makes me, definitely makes me want to win the game more, but they are,
0: man. I, Dude, I guess they get, not, they it's get the, personal, man.
1: It's, it's fucking it's, personal. Like, it's it's really disturbing. I feel violated every time it happens. <laughs> it happens pretty consistently. But uh, speaking of like that, that 2013 game, I think it's interesting how Louisville. You know, they've only won three games against Miami ever. They went, they were 09 and 1 going into that 2006 game. They lost the game before um, the Perry Rhodes dropped interception game that everybody still talks about. But like so many big or just uh, like mile marker moments for this program involve Miami. If you want to go back to 06, I felt like that was, and I, I tweeted this out earlier today, that whole week was and i know the miami team ended up being kind of average i think they went like seven and six that whole week was the buzz was just different than any week for a football game i'd experienced my entire life and it was the first time just being in the city counting down the days until we played where i felt like i was living in a big-time football city and it was just such a cool thing and it really set the table for you know the west virginia game later in the year and the big east championship and going to the bcs for the first time and all that all the good stuff that happened and then 2013 that game kind of marked the, the end of the Teddy era, the end of the Charlie Strong era, the end of that whole just wonderful three-year period, and it was perfect because we had all those Miami kids just absolutely beating them down in that bowl game. And then, it, you know, oddly, we played them the very next game, which is the second Petrino era and the first game of the ACC, and it, it, all this leads me to say, like, I'm kind of hoping we can look back at this game with game day in town, start, first game of the ACC, I know it's bizarre circumstances, but it's kind of like the start of the Scott Satterfield. Not just – we had a good year last year, but the Scott Satterfield making Louisville nationally relevant again, where people are talking about us as a preseason top 15 team. Uh, we can contend with Clemson, all that good stuff. I hope we can point back to this game and say that's where this this happened. But out of all those games, I guess the three wins, which one stands out to you as the, as the most meaningful or the one that you have the fondest memories
0: of? You know, it's, it's weird. Like, I think a lot of people – the was the the, the 2016 uh lamar florida state game with game day was like the big game in recent memory for them uh wow. it really kind of the put us on the map kind of thing for me it was actually that that miami game the first game in the acc where i felt like louisville had kind of cleared a hurdle because they dominated that game that that, that game going into it felt like it was going to be an easy win and it and it ended up being just a completely just like walkover game, and I felt like that was so huge because I mean, it, my first my first Louisville game was like the Ron Cooper Owen whatever game and Owen over season. and I, I shit you not, my mom and I were walking into the Kroger in Kroger in Saint Matthews, and a guy walked out and just handed us tickets and said, hey, do you guys want to go football game today? And just handed us two tickets to the uh, I think they played Utah. And we, yeah, we you know, we'd never been to a Louisville game. We went to the, you know, the fairgrounds, and I watched them get their ass beat. And I'm like, okay, this is this this is terrible. You know, I'm just like 10 years old or something like that. I was like, this is awful. But to go from that to get to the ACC, you know, I realized how big of a deal that was. But to to but to start your ACC, you know, time to dominate a team like Miami, a program like Miami, I thought that was that's something that like to me was like such a huge factor in where this program is, um, and that's also, you know, anybody that follows me on Twitter and reads, reads what I write, that's also why I get so frustrated that they still haven't gotten over that hump, and I'm, you know, hoping they get there, obviously, because I feel like they started in the ACC with, like, a huge head start, and they just kind of blew it. But that, to me, was such a big moment to dominate a program like that when you're stepping, you're, you know, when your first steps into the into the conference. My favorite, my lasting memory of that game,
1: um, it was the the first year like I'd gotten media a media parking pass, but I'd asked for it too late. So the, the first game I was in a different spot than I was going to be for the rest of the year, and I accidentally parked in the wrong spot. Um, and so I guess the guy whose spot I was in like called whatever, and they they tow your car to a lot if you park in the wrong spot behind a soccer stadium. But I had no <laughs> idea about any of this. So we go to our spot. I, I, car's gone. I'm like, I'm freaking out. I don't know what's going on. Track down a guy. He tells me where it is. So my wife and I, we walk all the way back past the stadium. And as we do, the Miami bus is loaded up. They're getting ready to leave the stadium. And we walk past and sitting in the very front passenger seat is Al Golden, tie loosened, head in hands. His <laughs> wife is on the bus next to him doing that like little like kind of rubbing the top of his back around his neck thing like the classic like spouse comforting move and this man again it's the first game of the season this man <laughs> looks like a person who's like this is bad i've got no ability to fix it there's no way i'm not getting fired like he's already given up like and i walked past him and i was like damn i was like I, I mean i was expect i was not expecting to see that he looked completely dejected and uh, ultimately, deservedly so. It was the it was the, the beginning of the last chapter of that Al Golden era. But that 0-6 game to me, I think it, it's it's strange. I remember when the decade changed. I did like a card chronicle. We did like a post or a tournament of like the best Louisville games, regardless of sport, of the past decade. And that Miami game got so much love for a team that wound up. I mean, they were already they'd already lost to Florida State. They ended up going six and six in the regular season. Like they weren't that good, but it was just such a like a seminal moment for the program just to have them on your home field to have been good for several years in a row and then to be able to just stomp on a program like that that was you know out of its heyday its its era of dominance was ending but was still certainly nationally relevant it was very much like a we've arrived moment it was like to me that moment was what a lot of people thought that the O two 2 Florida State win was like because yeah. You know, 2 Florida State, it was, a, it was a big upset. We were still in Conference USA. Like, we were still very much a little dog. We'd lost to Kentucky, like, three weeks earlier. Like, we were not um, going to be a great team that year. Like, that moment to me, just that curb stomping – after they'd stomped on the bird. And then a whole week leading up to it was great. Somebody was reminding me on, on Twitter earlier today, like, remember Kyle Wright was on Dan Lebatard's old show talking about how, like, Nate Harris and all these, like, Miami rejects and stuff. And then Nate Harris fired, fired, uh, fired back and both coaches had to put, like, a muzzle on their team and say, like, no more interviews. Like, that shit was awesome. Like, it was, it was so great and i don't know it's like i think every louisville fan because of that buzz and because of that build up and because of what actually happened is always going to remember that game whereas miami fans are kind of like
0: yeah it was an ass kicking but we took a few at the end of that decade well i think that might have been that might have been the last time any team stumped on the board on the bird like i remember that happening and like that, I, that was my – I remember waking up that morning and, like, reading the paper, like, which I definitely didn't do at a normal time during that during that time of my life. But, like, I was hyped for it. But I remember when they stomped on the board, bird, I was like, why, why would you do that? Like, every yeah. everybody who does this gets their ass beat. And, you know, I think it, it, it was you're, – you're right. The hype around the game, the players getting into it, I think they're still – that's kind of why, like, you know, you talk about how these guys last year – the, the the guys from Florida they always have a chip on their shoulder in some way shape or form like right? and and I feel like whenever we go down or, or whenever we play these Florida schools these guys are so much more motivated and you know back then and 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 then a lot of games we've we've seen Louisville play Florida schools they channel it the right way and it ends up being like a good game and they you know we we've, we've had some really good good upsets and some blowouts and whatnot and last year it just did not get channeled the right way at all and that's how we ended up with that blowout so that's what those games are always fun I mean I'm excited for this game I was really happy they added them to the schedule I was happy looking forward to last year and obviously just didn't turn out the way we thought yeah if you're looking at the, the perfect example
1: of how this game kind of brings out different emotions in our guys especially the ones from Florida think about the fact Like the one time that Teddy Bridgewater's ever done anything somewhat derogatory or like talked shit was that Miami Russell Athletic Bowl when he did the use down and he came out and uh, like apologized for it like preemptively he wasn't even asked about it he apologized for it after but that's the that's the one when we haven't talked about yet and it was I, I think a little bit lost because that 2013 team I still I'll always say I think 04 was the best team we've ever had I think 2013 was the most talented team we've ever had. And they never – like, we'll never know for sure just how good they were because the only game that they played against a quality opponent was that Central Florida game where they fell apart in the second half and lost. And then they never, didn't really get a chance to challenge themselves against another ranked team. But just to, to kick the shit out of Miami after a slow start, I think we gave up a safety early on, was was wonderful. And it also it saved us from having to talk about the U.K. basketball loss because remember we had both games that day and we got oh to do – yeah. We got to do the thing that UK fans like—they love to do when it's like you have a distraction. We'd be like, you yeah, know, we're more interested in the bowl game. Don't worry, like, <laughs> we'll focus on Miami. Like we're celebrating the Miami win. I don't even remember that we played a basketball game. So thanks to Teddy, thanks to Devonte, thanks to everybody for making that happen. But all three of those games were just uh, so cool. Hopefully Saturday night is is cool as well. Are you? I, I know it's different, but does having college game day in town make you a little bit more revved up, or does it affect you at all?
0: You know, it, I, it's weird. I, I didn't realize this till, till today. The Louisville coaching staff, outside of what, maybe Court Dennison and maybe like Guster Brewer maybe, this is like their first time having this kind of fanfare around. Shadon Brown took a picture of the bus and all, and I, it made me think about it. I was like, this is kind of probably really interesting for those guys. And that that aspect is kind of cool uh, that, that these guys have been able to accomplish something like this. Um and I, I it's more of kind of an excitement for the entire program in general that we're able to have this, you know, have have that kind of focus on the program. I think that's always cool. I, I you know being the being the 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 game of the week is always it always hits me the day of the game. Like I don't really think about it during the week, but then you you know, you can't help it. You turn on game day, they're only they're talking about your game over and over and over again. You see all the promos, which I thought, like, things really cool. I think Monday Night Football had, you know, a Louisville promo. Yeah. yeah. You can't help but get kind of excited about it. And, you know, you get the buzz when you're at work. People are talking about it. You, you know, I think that's always kind of cool. For me personally, not really, you know, that big of a deal from a standpoint of like, hey, it's, I, I don't know, like, I don't really get too excited about game day in general. But, I mean, I, it's another thing where when you look where the program was not too long ago this is insane. Like, it, this is just not something that I don't think anybody in my age range uh, would ever think that Louisville will be at the point where you're talking about playing Miami on game day at home. Um, and and that stuff is really cool. I never really get tired of that factor. Yeah, I saw the quote from Derek King today talking about, like, this is,
1: this is why I transferred here from Houston. Like, these are the games that you grew up dreaming about, like National Spotlight. Like, this is why you come to Miami. And kind of, like, juxtapose that with – the way we were talking about these two games, you know, 15, 16 years ago, and it was kind of, you know, Louisville just thankful to have this shot, Miami being like, why are we even playing a home at home with these guys? This is ridiculous. You know, we're on to- two totally different planes. It is. It's been cool to see all that good stuff. It also feels like, I think it's a good point that like the coaching staff hasn't been in this this climate yet. And again, it's going to be different without the fans and without the normal uh, college game day routine. But it's the first time that we've been. In this spot, I think since that last time game day was here in 2017, like when that Clemson game happened, that was sort of the beginning of the end. Like nothing great happened the rest of that year. We wasted a fantastic Lamar Jackson year. Then 2018 happens. It's a debacle. We're rebuilding last year. And now it definitely kind of feels like we're back in that same place. But I'm curious to see, like we're not just the – like the big game of the day, we're the only decent game of the day. It yeah. is an absolute shit schedule. <laughs> I'm worried that like people aren't going to check out totally. I wish it would end uh, a Saturday where we've got a bunch of good games leading up to the best game at the end of the day, but instead, it's uh, it's it's the first matchup of ranked teams all season long, and there's really nothing. There's no table setting game. I think what Central Florida, Georgia have a 3:30 game on ABC. That's uh. That's it's tough but yeah that's, that's about it. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean I was just going to say like that's I, I don't know if that helps us or hurts us but regardless it's just cool to be back in the spotlight. All right, we've we've wasted enough time. Let's let's get down to dirty. I already said I've made my prediction. I, I could change this for the Card Chronicle prediction. I got 24 hours to rethink this, but I took Miami 38-35. How do you see this playing out? What's your confidence level right now?
0: You know, I, I, I'm I'm gonna go out on a little bit of a limb. I think that Louisville uh will at least put up forty. I think I'm going forty to twenty eight. I, I, I feel really good about Louisville's defense. Like I, I'm I can't help it. I'm I'm sitting there watching where they play. They're so aggressive. And I think like you said, many day many Manny Diaz pointed out, they're throwing different looks than we saw last year and they're doing it well. Um and I, I I'm really I'm gonna go overly maybe overly confident in the defense to, to get some stops to slow down their running game and and think that they, you know, stave off these big plays that we saw last year. And I I, I, I don't I think the offense just kinda just turned off the switch in the second half against Western Kentucky and just, you know, rode out and just didn't want to really get into the playbook and whatnot. So I'm gonna go 42-28, And I feel good about it. It's just all I think the biggest thing is going to be special teams, which is what killed us last year. And I think they'll get it cleaned up this week. I love it. Like this is why, this is what I wanted from
1: you. You made me feel better about this. I'm, I'm even more excited than I already was. And just like if we win this week and then win next week at Pitt, which is a, I, w- I would say sneaky tough game, but I feel like every national media member has picked us to lose that game already. If we get off to a two and zero start in the ACC, then I think you start being able to kind of dream crazy thoughts, right? You start thinking about, like you start rooting against teams in the ACC that you think might be competing with you for a top two spot to play in that conference championship game. And, you know, you start looking at, Hey, Carolina, their best defensive player out for the year because of academic stuff like that news broke today. And that means more. Like, I just, I want to be able to, to have those crazy dreams as we turn the calendar into October. And I know everything's still so weird. And I know it's a different season, but still, I think the emotions are the same. And that was what struck me most about last week is once the game started, I, I still kind of felt the same watching it. And it, may, it hasn't been the same watching other teams, but for at least for my team, it still feels it, – it's still real to me, damn it. Uh, <laughs> I'm put a famous internet video from 15 years ago as as relevant right now. But I don't know, man. i just, I just talking about it and thinking about potentially being in the top 15 or top 10 after a 4-0 start. It just it's it elicits all the old feelings that we've been missing for the last six, seven months. I'm
0: excited. I think the one of the big things is if you – if Louisville gets to a 3-0 and start, you're, you're knocking off two of maybe the four best teams on their schedule. You know, so, you know, the back end of Louisville's schedule is, as of right now, it's kind of a cakewalk. Um, and, and you're looking at maybe a Virginia Tech, you know, obviously being a sneaky potential really, you know, tough game that they might lose or, you know, it's going to be close. You're really just looking at Notre Dame. And, I you know, Notre Dame looked pretty good last week. They didn't look great. I think that was the thing that you know, I tweeted before the game started. I said I'm really interested to see how Louisville plays solely because of the fact that everyone else I saw I watched on Saturday, no one looked like Chris. You know, Clemson did, but we're not we don't have Clemson on the schedule, but everyone looked like they had some things to work out. And I don't know that Louisville did other than special teams. I don't I didn't see a single moment where I was like, Yeah, that that's not gonna you know, that's gonna hinder their season. That's an issue that is a big red flag. And honestly, the special teams, you know, the first one was kind of a fluke, you know, first play of the, guy, the kid's career. The second one was a, was a mistake that I feel like they're going to fix. So outside of that, I was like, okay, they, they played a really good game. The score just didn't really look that way in the second half. Like I said, they, they kind of just, you know, went through the motions on offense. But the defense was dominant. You know, we still – we saw just how much more talent they've added to the offensive side of the ball, which I think is important. I don't think anyone on the schedule really just wowed me. So, yes, it's definitely – it's hard not to get excited of the potential of where they can be.
1: Yeah, I feel like I always say this during basketball season when Louisville has a good team and fans are being overly critical. I'm like, if you want to feel better – watch other teams play full games like like mm-hmm. their fans are even more upset than you are and i definitely would encourage like for you know some of the people who have been maybe nitpicking the wku performance a little bit watch some of the other like it, it's been sloppy across the country there've been very few teams like you said have come out and just looked like world beaters right out of the gate. And there are a lot of reasons for that. And, you know, we haven't seen the SEC play, and we're not going to see the Big Ten play for a month. But there have been some pretty good teams that have taken the field or some highly ranked teams that have taken the field and haven't looked as impressive as Louisville did Saturday night. And hopefully as impressive as Louisville is going to look this Saturday night. Um, before we get out of here, i got to give a shout-out. Last pod, we challenged the listeners to uh, to create a college game day sign that somehow – reflected me cutting Danny off whenever he has to say go cards at the end of the podcast and I'll give a shout out like like right at the beginning of the day when signs were available to be dropped off Chris Abel tweeted out um, dumpster Dan says go CA and it's it, like it's brilliant you win the prize we're gonna send you something at some point I don't know what but it's going to happen but that just made me even more even more excited for this weekend you guys are the best uh, at last check on the uh, the podcast we have 536 ratings. That's uh, ridiculous. Again, you guys rule. If you haven't subscribed and rated the pod yet, please do that. It helps us out a lot. But, uh, man, I, we have a little bit as we're recording this Thursday night. we got about 48 hours until we kick off. The old vibes are back. I'm feeling good. Game day's back. Cards are back. Keith's back. Keith, appreciate the time, man. It was a lot of fun. Definitely
0: had a great time, man. Looking forward to doing this every week, man. I, I I can't get enough of just beating able to talk football, especially uh, especially with you guys. We're back, baby. Pod's back. Cards are back. Miami's
1: going down. Till we talk to you next time, go Cards. Beat the Canes. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com.